0: Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance
1: to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. We're going to have our guest on in just a moment. He was arrested in Canada for um, being a pastor, effectively, and we're going to play his video second. The first video, we're going to celebrate Artur Pawlowski's being set free from jail as of a couple of days ago and have him talk about that. But as he was being set free, another pastor, a young pastor named Derek, was just arrested. Yes, I believe it was yesterday or Friday. We're going to play that short clip and let you watch this arrest taking place. What was he doing? He was serving food for the homeless. And he was declaring the gospel on the streets of the city. I want you to watch this arrest in Canada. That's a, It's a short one. Then we're going to go to a little bit longer one, and you'll see Arthur Pulowski being arrested. I don't know how many times he's being arrested, but this is... One of his time then we're going to go to him for the full story so watch what happened either yesterday or the day before on the streets of canada with pastor Derek. play it right now
0: today and praise god for that and that is good news even for this officer where this officer he can choose jesus christ and he can repent and this officer can repent today and turn to jesus christ that's good news he has to be kind. Okay. Brad, shame on you. It's called freedom of speech. Yeah. This injunction. You guys as well. Adam, sure, you. You like, know section Adam step back. Adam! Adam step back. Remember your old Can class. I grab his, his cheese? Can you I grab his keys? You guys are acting yeah, like Nazis, Nazis all over oh, again. Yeah. You're done. Derek, what? Give her keys. So, You're not out of control. Give her keys. Can him. I get his keys? I'm sorry. sorry. Adam, back sorry. off. Freedom of speech. Freedom of assembly. This is a peaceful assembly. Okay, I'll and take Thank you. To the homeless. Really made, what do you guys
2: think about this situation, sir? Uh, this is not the time.
0: This is not the time for you to break the law either. Out of a nutshell, Lies. I can see you guys don't call yourselves you Canadians? Shame on you. you, you, you turn You're turning our the law. country. Don't. And if by the way, that's a jumpsuit paper, it's a So you guys are breaking the orders. Grab Look at the fuck of my property. Adam. Adam, Adam, get going, you want to pray? Adam, Adam, do it in the right spirit, please. So God bless. Christ-like, Christ-like. You know what, God will turn around this for good. Keep going and showing on. <laughs>
1: Okay, that occurred yesterday or the day before yesterday, I'm not sure which. And um, uh, Rebel News provided that. Rebel News, we had Ezra on from Rebel News. He was profoundly articulate uh, about two weeks ago in describing Pastor Arturo Pulowski's situation. And I'm, now we're going to go to a, 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 a tape from, we'll have Arthur in a moment tell when this took place. But this was when Pastor Arthur Pulaski was arrested. And we'll have, a sh- it's a much longer clip. We've shortened it way down to about four minutes so you can get a, a glimpse of what he has faced and then he will be on to describe uh, this and other things that have happened to him. Let's play Arthur Pulowski's arrest.
2: See, that's what's happening when you're living in uh, China, Da, you're going to be harassed by the Gestapo. The brown shirts of Adolf Hitler, or Adolf Kenny. We got know, uh, pulled over again, well, for the second time, in just um, 20 minutes, believe it or not. Uh, why? Because uh, we dared to be willing to voice our opinion peacefully at uh, the minister. There's a few of, cop cars. Uh, it's an insurance man. House. Unbelievable. Yeah,
0: there's two cop cars I see. I see two. I don't know if they'd have two just for a ticket. Well, one is sneaking. Here, she might need to look She might need to look
2: Okay, yep. That then,
0: uh, you suspected of in, being in breach of some of your conditions there. Breach of conditions, yeah. Do you have any conditions right now?
2: Uh-huh. What breach of conditions?
0: Are David philosophy right? Yes, yep. Yeah. So you released, you oh, have right. some conditions.
2: Did you have yeah, conditions? What conditions?
0: Where what did protesting? I breach?
2: What did I breach? What did I breach? What did you breach? What did I breach?
0: Right now, we've got some fresh charges.
2: Fresh charges, yeah.
0: you want to step out of the vehicle and <laughs> we'll have a conversation?
2: Fresh charges, you have fresh charges. Yeah. Eh? Yeah. There you go, the like fresh you charges. Continue huh? Continuous. Stop!
0: SS. They're arresting him. Is this what you do? You arrest preachers, you arrest pastors. You took an oath. You're no better than the Nazis.
2: I know. Come on, you know you'll hey, get stuck on Nazi. You're sick. You know stand that. Stand you.
0: Up. Hey, don't resist. I don't no, resist. he's not resisting. I stand up. He's... Man, no, I'm not stand resisting. You are a Nazi. Do it the Nazi up. style. Stand up. You're not what uh, we want to stand up, but uh, we want to lay down. He did that himself when they're walking back in the car and he decided to go down. Will the hand help him up? We will. Tell Newfeld. He's a crook, he's a criminal, he's a Nazi. Okay? Yeah, you get your orders. Okay. Tell Neufeld he's sick. Corrupted mafia. No criminals to catch today, hey? Just it? No, Just a pastor. Yeah? He's a criminal, pastor. You know what his charges were? You call that crime for opening church? Wow! Yes, yeah. Wow. The state of our police. My God. Can I have your name and badge numbers, please? Name and badge number. Excuse me, I'm talking to you. Constable Johnson, five seven four two. You badge number. Are you 4659? You're a... gonna be obstructing this. I'm not obstructing anything. That's why I told you to back Name away. Name and so badge number. 44. Stay back though, partner, or you're going to be obstructing, okay? Uh, I wanna don't. keep you. My god, god, you keep you out of jail, okay? <laughs> yeah, sure you do. Let's do that. You would love to arrest me as well, you why? Nazi. Why? Because you're sick! No. Th- this is sick! Okay. Yeah. Well, you get orders so you from corrupted people. politicians, corrupted leaders, and this is what you do.
1: Well, it's a little hard to take that. It's really hard to take that. I introduced my special guest today, Mr. Arthur Pulowski. You have quite a story to tell. We want to hear from you. Tell us first of all how you are doing. We're concerned for you. And then give us the story of what has been happening.
2: Well, first of all, I want to thank you so much for covering the story and, and having my friend Ezra Levant here and my son Nathaniel um, to tell the world what's really going on. Because you know, we have an idea that Canada is a democratic country, that this is one of the freest Western civilized countries on earth. And of course, as you can tell by my accent, I emigrated here. My parents took us from behind the Iron Curtain, first to Greece. We escaped on a boat. And then from Greece, Canada opened its doors and welcomed us. And I will never forget that meeting that we had in the Canadian embassy in Athens when an officer said to us that Canada is the freest country on earth and And, uh, you know, in Canada, I will never forget that. He said in Canada, no one will ever persecute you for your faith. And here I am, 16 arrests so far for me, over 100 court cases. And listen to this, 340 citations so far. Uh, Just uh, during the, the past six months or seven now, because I spent two months in prison, almost 50 days, On the 51st, they released me. Um, I have been arrested five times. And the famous arrest, of course, that the whole world watched was after they invaded against the criminal code of Canada. And that's very important. We, just like Americans, we are protected by a constitution, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and also criminal code. We have a criminal code of Canada that states in section 176, one, two, and three, that you're not allowed to disrupt a religious service. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to interfere with a clergyman while he is on his way, while he's performing, or on his way from performing a religious services. That's against the law. If you do that, if you dare to do that, that's two years for you. But you see, law and justice... Doesn't exist anymore in our beloved Canada. It's what they say: the mandates, the the, the restrictions, um, this total disregard to the law of the land. God and state given rights are out the windows, and they invaded our church during one of the holiest times of the year, which we, by the way, are approaching a year anniversary. So they came with the health inspectors, police, and the bio services into the church service, barged in, uninvited, trespassed. They didn't care. And they wanted to do inspection of the building. Of course, all of that is a, is a sham, it's a lie. Um, I have been uh, streaming our services. They had all of the evidence. If they wanted to ticket me, um, I have been giving them uh, evidence of what we have been doing. We're not hiding. Our church services were open. Uh, right on the Facebook page, right on YouTube channel. And actually, by the way, in the end, when they prosecuted me in a court of law, they used my own videos uh, against me. Uh, That's why uh, when they stormed our church saying we have to physically be there to inspect, it was all uh, a lie. My ordeal started in 2005 when the Canadian government declared that giving free goods and services, and by the way, Derek Reimer, uh, my friend, was arrested yesterday for feeding the homeless and preaching the gospel. I talked to him today because I was greatly disturbed, as you can imagine. I just spent 50 days in hell. I mean, I'll tell you what they did to me in in, in Calgary, Sriman. But going back to Derek, he started the video uh, of his arrest. Um, I talked to him today. He was released with an apology. So there is something positive happening because of this international pressure. I don't know if you know that um, Justin Trudeau, the prime minister of our great nation, was in Europe and he was booed. Uh, the parliamentarians, um, they said he's a dictator, he's a disgrace. Um, lots of uh, members of uh, European um, uh, parliament walked out during his speech. So I think they're getting the message that we are not a democracy anymore. We are living in a totalitarian uh, uh, police state. We are in dictatorship. Those people are not anymore elected officials. They're They're tyrants. That's what they are. So anyway, Uh, He was released. The detectives uh, came to Derek and they said, we apologize for this. Uh, That was a mistake. And they released him without charges. So uh, believe it or not, uh, what happened to me and thanks to you and people like you that are exposing this great corruption is saving other people right now, because now they're getting the picture that whatever they do to us, the whole world will know about it. So going back to my story, 2005, I received tickets after tickets after tickets, giving free goods and services, illegal, congregating, illegal, placing material on the ground, which was the cross and the tables and the barbecue to feed the poor, illegal, distribution of printed material, Bible, gospel drugs, illegal. I was the first Canadian citizen in 2006 to be arrested for publicly reading Bible. No amplification system, just six of us in the park, handcuffed, arrested, facing a year of prison, won that charge. Since then, I faced over 100 court court cases and 16 arrests. The arrest that you showed was uh, the 1st of January. So that's how I welcomed 2022 with my brother David. The driver on the left was my own brother, my blood brother that we escaped communism uh, with. And my parents, my brother David was arrested. I was arrested. They put a number of criminal charges on us. And why? Because we dared to protest. I don't know if Americans are aware that now in the city of Calgary, protest is illegal. The judge ruled that you're not allowed to protest. If you dare to do that, you might be arrested. You can be arrested. And that's contempt of court, which is two years prison term. So it's total insanity. We've lost every right to be free citizens in our beloved Canada. Going back to what happened to me, I have become, I was the first Canadian to get a COVID ticket. I call them the COVID tickets in April of 2020 when the officers, dozen of them showed up at our church. Our church is called Street Church. We feed thousands of people every single week on the streets of Calgary and uh, they showed up and they said, that's it. We are in the middle of pandemic and you're not allowed to feed the poor. And I'm thinking if we are truly in the middle of pandemic, then our services are needed more than ever because those people need to eat regardless if we have a pandemic or not because they shut down shelters and thousands of homeless people started to roam the streets. It didn't make any sense. Their logic did not make any sense. So I started to question uh, their wisdom uh, during the crisis. And of course, I would not receive any answers, I appealed it to the mayor, I appealed it to the ministers, and then eventually I appealed it uh, to Jason Kenney, the tyrant, I call him the tyrant, the turncoat, the premier, premier is like your governor. So premier of Alberta, Jason Kenney. Fast forward, I received a ticket, I was the first Canadian to get one, and later on I received over 40 of them, 40 COVID tickets worth millions of dollars, five arrests and multiple Uh, multiple uh, court cases. So that's how my 2020 started from court, ticket after ticket, resistance and rallies and protests. They started to invade our church. First, uh, they blocked our entrance to the church, our parking lot, intimidating people, harassing the parishioners. I stood strong. I kicked them out. They came back with the telescopic cameras taking pictures of our women and children. And if you know anything about communism, about fascism, that's how they would pressure men, by intimidation. Hey, we'll take, a, maybe we will not arrest you, but we will go after your family, we'll go after your wife, we'll go after your children. Fast forward, they came during April of 2021 into the church, I kicked them out. The whole world, I was told that within a first weekend, That video was watched, the get out Nazi video, was watched over a billion times that greatly embarrassed the government. So I knew, and my wife knew, we all knew the vengeance is coming because I have put this tyranny in a spotlight. And behold, few weeks later, anti-terrorists, anti-terrorists showed up at our church. And I thought, surely I'm going to be arrested. But at that time, our church was filled to capacity, only a standing room, you know. Um, they could not uh, get in. They opened the door and they realized this is going to be a gong show. There's too many people in the church. So they withdrew themselves only to wait for me. When I, uh, people went home, and I was driving back with my brother David and a friend of ours in the middle of the highway, and we were arrested by a SWAT style. Takedown like you would arrest El Chapo or Al Capone right in the middle of a busy highway, handcuffed, thrown in prison. We spent three days and two nights on concrete. That's how they treat prisoners. Uh, our RST because I was not even a prisoner at that time. I was just arrested. You know, a presumption of, of innocence uh, doesn't exist anymore in Canada. The hammer comes hard right away. They arrested me in a very brutal way. They placed me on the ground for over an hour upside down with my whole body weight on my handcuffs. Uh, they were breaking my, they were breaking my, my arms, my wrists. It was, it was extremely painful. I think this was one of the most painful arrests I ever encountered. So they wanted to make sure I'm suffering. They were sending a message. And of course, I faced trials. And that's where I decided when I was on the third day on that concrete, I decided I need to come to the United States. I need to come to you to warn you, to warn Americans. Listen, you have a neighbor that went rogue. You have a neighbor that is in bed with China. We are truly living behind the Iron Curtain. This is no longer Canada, your best friend. This is China that watch you back. And that was my pretty much message. The United States. First of all, look what is happening to us. I am a living testimony. Secondly, rise up, stand up. God is saying to the great American eagle, rise up, start flapping your wings. It's time to soar, it's time to roar. American ri- alliance, come forth. We need to we need to get the biggest pride of lions ever. Fast forward, I spent four months in your beautiful nation touring around, meeting as many people as I could, being at any conference, anyone that would invite me, I would attend because I believe that God sent me to your beautiful nation with a very specific warning. Stand up, rise up, watch, because if you're not careful, if you're not vigilant, this is your future, and this is the future for your children. Believe it or not, I met with governor, uh, state senators, Congress people, on the way back to Calgary. My lawyers called if there are any outstanding warrants, and they were told no. Arthur Poloski can come back to the to to, to Canada, no problems whatsoever. I <clears throat> on the tarmac. I was asked to step out of the plane, and they were already waiting for me. I was handcuffed. The Calgary police was waiting in the customs building, like gangsters that they are, like muscle for Al Capone. They were waiting over there, and boom, I was taken again to jail. My crime? Well, I'm a very famous criminal and very dangerous to the state. My crime was inciting people to come to church, participating in illegal gathering, church, and officiating an illegal gathering, a church service, criminal charges, handcuffed, arrested, facing a big trial in the meantime in the meantime my first original trial was uh, wrapping up and then i was sentenced with my brother david and another fella and the judge has given us a compelled speech if by now americans and everyone or anyone that is watching this if by now you had your doubts that we have been taken over by china now listen to this judge's order a higher ranking judge has given us a compelled speech. What is compelled speech? It was government approved speech that I had, I had been commanded, ordered by the judge and my brother, David, that every time I do a show, every time I preach in the church, every time I talk to another human being, I have to tell them that masks do work. Vaccines are saving lives. The whole CNN rhetorics of Chinese propaganda. The judge said, if I don't do that, and my brother David, we will go back back to, to prison. So we had a choice. And I have chosen to stick with the truth and with God. I grabbed the microphone right after the judge ordered me to tell the compelled speech. And I said, judge, I'll never obey this order. You can arrest me if you want. You can imprison. You can take the keys and throw them out. I will never submit to this order because, first of all, it's illegal. Secondly, it's from the pit of hell, and we are not in China yet. This is still my beloved Canada. We have rights, and I will appeal it, and I'll fight you until Jesus comes back. So we appealed it. The Court of appeal stayed this portion of the the judgment, and we are facing the appeal court in June, in just a few months. Fast forward, I have been invited all over the place to encourage people uh, to be, you know, at the protests and rallies. And of course, our church is packed to capacity. I have become very popular within the freedom movement. Why? Because I was willing to pay the price. I was willing to go there when not many people wanted to go and encourage them and give them hope. And the government started to fear. For example, last time, just before my arrest, we had 20,000 people every week showing up on the streets of Calgary. We had 8, 10, 15 blocks of people like a river of masses chanting for freedom. And I have become so popular during those those, uh, rallies that people asked me to run for the premier of Alberta, to run as a politician, which I never did. I'm a pastor. But I said to them at at the last interview that I ever did before I was um, arrested by A SWAT style, you know, FBI uh, takedown, I was asked if I would consider to run for office. And I said, if enough Canadians would like a man like me, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to wear two hats. I am a pastor. And if they would like someone like me, then I would consider running for a political office as well. I mean, someone has to clean the swamp. It's stinking. It's evil. And, um, and if God will choose me to do it, I'm willing to take that for a few years. I'm not a career politician. I don't wanna be, but for a few years, I think I would be able to at least clean a little bit of this, of this craziness. So that was my last interview. Then I was invited and I'm sure Americans have heard about the track convoy. You've heard about that, right? Track convoy, is a, it was a gathering of average, Joes, you know, average people. They were not just truckers. Everyone, nurses, ex-police officers that were fired, um, firefighters, clergymen, everyone, anyone, all Canadians came together in this convoy. We called it a truck convoy because it started with the truckers, but it became a way bigger than anyone would anticipate. million people joined us, and it was incredible. It was amazing. Every time we went, it was packed. Thousands of people were showing up. So I, my church would feed them, encourage them, and I was invited to conduct church services for the trackers. And that was no different when they invited me to the Montana border at Kudz. So I was invited to conduct a church service in Milk River, which is 14 kilometers from Montana border, and in Kudz, two services within a few hours. I accepted the invitation we did a Lord's Supper in Milk River, I gave my speech. RCMP was there, RCMP is like your FBI. They were videotaping me, they were walking with me, they were, they were monitoring everything I was doing and saying, and behold, which is very important what I'm going to say to you, they led us, allowed us to go to Kuds. They knew how, who I was, I did a speech at Melk River, I did the uh, church service at, at Melk River, and then the RCMP led me to Coots, to the Montana border, which I did the same thing. I gave a speech and I did Lord's Supper. I did a church service. I told them about Jesus and that ultimately Jesus Christ was the ultimate freedom fighter because he fought for our freedom. The truth, the truth sets the captives free. And on that cross, Jesus paid it with his own life so we can be free. The response was overwhelming. People were cheering, they were clapping, you know, like they really were encouraged. When I came to the Kuds border, the roads were open. When I left, the roads were open as well. I didn't say anything to them, block the, the border or do something illegal. What I said, I said, we have to resist the tyranny peacefully. Mahatma Gandhi style, Martin Luther King Jr. Civil Rights Movement style, solidarity with Leg style. That kind of style, no guns, no violence, peacefully, non-compliance, paralyzing their, their system by not working for them. And I left. And our CMP was there and no one stopped us. No one said a word. A week later, I'm coming out of my house. And I didn't even notice that my son told me after that they were waiting for me under undercover uh, vehicles outside of my home, waiting for me to step out. And I was arrested without my shoes. And you know, people say, why you go to your knees uh, during the arrest? Because I'm making a statement. You see, I'm a Polish immigrant. I grew up in Poland, hearing the stories from my grandparents and the older generation about the Nazis and what the Germans did to Poland. But also I grew up behind the Iron Curtain under the boots of the Soviets. And what I see is a simple repetition of history. And you know, I teach history. I am a theologian, but I also teach history. I always mix those two things together, trying my best to make it relevant to what is happening in front of our eyes. And when I say they're Nazis, they're acting like Nazis, of course, I'm not saying that they have SS and spastic on them. What I'm saying is that they have started to act like Nazis. You are Nazis. You're following the steps of those people, you know, during the Second War and before of Adolf Hitler, the brown shirts of Adolf Hitler. You're acting like KGB agents. You're not following the law because I am a law abiding citizen. I followed the law to the teeth. But those boys, they're no longer peace officers. They're no longer agents of of the law. They are gangsters in uniform. They're muscle for mafia the government officials right now because they're not obeying the law. They're not representing us. They're mafiosos. That's what they are. So anyway, I go to my knees. I put my my hands behind my back to make a statement. What else can I do? I don't have their power. I don't have their money. The mainstream media is completely taken over by communism. So the only way I know how to do that is using my big mouth during the shows like this one. But also... Make it visual effect. You want to act like Nazis, then you got to drag me like Nazis. As simple as that. So they did. And very brutally, let me add, because for two months, I still have, I don't, you won't be able to see it. I still have a scar on my wrist. That's how brutally they arrested me. And then, of course, when cameras were not rolling, they wrapped me up. You know why? Because they are law-abiding agents of the state and they can get away with the murder. So they roughed me up and then behold, I received multiple charges, very big charges, brutal charges. They accused me of mischief over $5,000 with interfering with the crucial infrastructure, like infrastructure like terrorists. They basically said, I am a terrorist. I'm telling you, it was a scary moment. You're interrogated by FBI, RCMP. And then you're being told you're like terrorist and you're going to be charged and and we'll hammer you. We'll finish you off, that's it. Then I was transferred to Riemann. Riemann, how to describe to you, Riemann is a third worst prison in the Western world. Right after the Black Dolphin in Russia, there is a Texas maximum prison and the third with the worst reputation is Calgary Riemann Center. In Calgary Riemann Center, we have the biggest amounts of murder, inmates being murdered per capita in the entire nation. It's total insanity. So they took me there, and here is, here is what happened to me under their care. They stripped me, stripped me naked, body search. Then they took me to the machine, like at the airport. They they took me to the cell. They didn't put me into general, um, you know, general unit because they consider me extremely dangerous. And I was told by Crown Prosecutor that I am one of the most dangerous people in Canada right now. Can you imagine a pastor feeding the poor? I feed thousands of people every week. And I give people hope to stand up for the rights. And according to the Crown Prosecutor, I have become one of the most dangerous citizens in the country. So they locked me in solitary confinement. Of course, solitary confinement right now is illegal. So they call it administrative segregation, which is the same thing. 23, 24, 25 hours a day, you have to spend in solitary seclusion by yourself. The first seven days they would not give me my glasses. they would not give me the Bible. Uh, they would not give me anything to, to, to read. so now imagine being locked in a bathroom and you know I think that some of your bathrooms are pretty big so try to find the smallest one in your house and now you are to spend there 24 hours, sometimes 25 hours non-stop, Doing nothing because there is nothing to do. I couldn't read because they refused to give me my glasses. And that was going on for a week. I'm telling you, all the physical heartache out of all of the stuff that they did to me, this was torture. This was a form of torture when they keep you in a box and there is nothing you can do. So, in the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, in the preamble, It starts, the preamble starts like this. Whereas Canada acknowledges the supremacy of God and the rule of law. So that's our constitution. That's our highest law in the land. Whereas Canada acknowledges the supremacy of God. So God is first and then the rule of law. Now God has been kicked out like in a big part of America as well. God has been kicked out and the rule of law, it's out of the window. It's lawlessness. So when I said that what you're doing, according to the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, it's unusual and cruel punishment. And it's against the law. You're not allowed to do that. They would slap slap the door in my face, slam the door in my face and, and laughed. I mean, that's your justice system. So here is how I was treated. Almost 30 days in isolation. When I was allowed to come out, I had one hour. Sometimes too, depends of of the guards, if they were friendly, they they would sneak me in a little bit. I could take a shower, call my wife, and uh, for three weeks they would not allow me to see my lawyer. So there goes your rights to a defense, to, to, to do something in your power to fight this tyranny. Also, they would place me in a metal box. So for example, I would be taken out of my cell, no reason given, I would be placed in a metal box. One time, a bigger one. Another time, and a, a small one. That you sit like this and there is, there is nothing you can do. And you're suffocating. Like literally, I was passing out. For the whole day, they would not give me anything to drink. In my cell, there was no water. And they would place me in a metal box where it's extremely hot. And they would not give me a reason why am I treated like this. Then I would be taken out stripped naked, checked again, and a body scanner again. And when I told them, I, see, I said to them, listen, what I know about the body scanners is that they can hurt you. They can hurt your body. You cannot just keep scanning people all the time. And they, and they laughed. You know, They thought it was hilarious what they were doing to me. I mean, unbelievable. And back into the cell. There were some good things that were happening because every time I had opportunity, I would come out and I would calm down the people that were going crazy. So now imagine you are in a unit and people are screaming and they're banging on the doors and they're going nuts because 22 to 25 hours every time they would spend in isolation. And there is nothing to do, you go crazy. I witnessed people losing their mind, banging, yelling, screaming. I saw a man that would stir at one point on the wall day in and day out for weeks. He would not move. He would just stir into one, one uh, you know, point, whatever he was seeing on the wall. Um, insanity. So what I would do, I would go and I would pray with them. And soon the whole unit learned that there is a pastor here and that I'm willing to talk to them and pray. By the time I was kidnapped from, from Calgary Remand Center, I'll tell you what happened. I had the entire unit, first of all, the guards said that this is the most peaceful unit in the entire jail, a prison. And also I had my entire unit, all of the boys at my tables doing Bible study and church services, because our church service was denied to us. You see, the administration said that we're not allowed to go to chapel. That that's, that's not really uh, as important. We can read the Bible if we want in ourselves. We're not allowed to participate in the church services. So what I decided to do when we filled the petition, we signed a petition and we said to the administration, listen, if you don't take us out together, you're going to have a problem in this unit. And finally, I think they realized there's going to be a riot and they let us all out. And that's how I started my church services and prayer meetings. By the time I was kidnapped from my unit, I had the entire unit, all the boys at the church service, listening to the Bible stories and praying. I had Muslims, ex-mortarers, bank robbers, drug dealers, you name it, sitting and listening to the Bible studies. I led a number of them to the Lord. And I had such a huge impact that the guards were told to move me to a different place. So I'm sitting at the table. A guard comes to me and says, Palosky, you have a visitor. And that was weird, I'm telling you. That was, we knew something is, is, is wrong because for the past few weeks, the guards were inciting people to beat me up. They were, offering, they, uh, they were offering extra hour for the inmates if they would beat me up. They were offering all kinds of incentives if the prisoners would hurt me, beat me up or stop me. And because I was so popular there, all of those boys said, no, he's a pastor. He's a, he's a priest. We're not going to beat up a priest. He's a good man. We deserve to be him here, but he does not deserve to be here. So that plan didn't work. So they had to change the environment because I was so popular in my unit. When I was being taken out, every day they would take me out from my cell and they would place me in a box on the concrete. When I was coming out, the boys would look and they would say, if anything happens to this man, we're going to hurt you. If anything happens to this man, watch for your back. And when I was coming back, the inmates would be yelling, free pastor art, free pastor art. So the guards, the administration realized that those people love me and they're not going to hurt me. So when they took me, because I had a visitor, uh, they placed me into the custody of the sheriff's. They put chains on my legs and on my, my, on, on my wrists, and I was transferred three hours away from my home to Edmonton, and I was placed in Max Pod. I don't know if you know what that means. That's a unit, just iron and glass. On the third floor, it's for the most dangerous murderers, the most dangerous offenders, for people that are murdered, attack guards, and, uh, and I was placed over there again in solitary confinement with a document that I am extremely dangerous for the staff and the facility, and that I'm going to spend 15 days to 45 days in segregation, perhaps indefinitely. In other words, they said, we can keep you here forever if we want to. The next day was the trial. And I begged my lawyers. I said, people, they're going to kill me here. They have intention to really hurt me. I have, I I am in this hell. It's extremely cold. It's so cold that I can't sleep. I'm shivering all all day long and all night. You're shivering like this, like you're outside. And we're talking about Alberta And, and with the snow outside. It was extremely cold. And I said to the lawyers, listen, if you don't tell the judge what is happening to me tomorrow, I'm going to die here. They have intention to hurt me. And I will get very sick or I will die here. So they said that to the judge. And I think it scared them. It scared the director of Riemann because after the trial, they uh, sent a message that I am to pack my, my stuff. And of course, I didn't have anything to pack. And I would be transferred. So I was transferred from the max pod. Listen to this. They took me to another unit. But at least that unit had humans in it. And um, I was very glad that I could see people there, but I didn't know that they transferred me to a mental unit. Can you imagine? They placed me in a mental institution within the Riemann Center. So when I saw people walking in a circle and jumping up, and you know how crazy people are, right? It I was like, wow, this is a mental institution here. So I turned to the guards, I said, I said, what kind of a unit is this? Like, where am, I? where am I? And they started to laugh and they said, you are in wild, wild west. This is a mental unit. So I realized those people are messing with my head. They're trying to break me. They're trying to, to, to crush me to a point that I would quit. During that time, I received an offer from the Crown Prosecutor. And that just tells you how bogus Uh, of charges, uh, made-up stuff, this whole thing is. Here is what he said. We will withdraw all the charges if you plead just to one, the mischief. If you plead to this one, you can go home. And I said no. So when I said no, they transferred me to the mental unit, um, you know, in Edmonton. I mean, total insanity. So what I decided to do, I decided to minister to those people. And my wife reminded me, of course, I was very low. I, I, I said to her, I, I, I don't know what they're going to do to me. They're very serious. They want to hurt me. And uh, maybe they want to use uh, insane people to attack me because they placed me in a room with a murderer that murdered his own brother with a machete. So what I think they wanted to achieve, they couldn't hurt me or stab me or murder me in Calgary by the use of the hands of the inmates because I was so popular. So they placed me in a mental institution. So perhaps some crazy guy would stop me or some crazy man would actually do what, um, you know, the guards wanted him to do. But through all of this stuff, all of this time, God's mercy was with me. He protected me. And even the guards, I have found favor with multiple guards. One guard came to me early in the morning And he says, if there is anything I need, he knows who I am. He prays for me. He's a born-again Christian. And I ask for a pillow because, of course, they don't give you any pillow. And I ask for blankets because I said I'm freezing. I can't sleep. It's so cold. So he brought me two blankets. He brought me a pillow. And I want to say that some of those guards are saints. They're amazing people. There are some Nazis there, but there are also some that are beautiful human beings, and they understand what was going on. And they came to me and they said, you're a political prisoner. They're just doing this just to hurt you. I talked to my wife and she said, hey, I truly believe that God has you there for a purpose uh, to pray for those people because there is someone that God wants to touch. So you better start praying for all of them or you will never come out until you fulfill your, 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 your duty of there. And I tell you, I have to, I have to admit, There were a few times that I was scared. I was scared when they paraded me in Calgary in front of hundreds of inmates uh, at the lockdown, showing the inmates, that's the guy, you're at the lockdown because of him. So look at him, remember his name and remember his face. And if you have opportunity to hurt this guy, that's the guy you're suffering because of him. That was a scary moment because those guys are tough. They're villains. Um, you know, their mortars and, and they would kill you for, for, for extra coffee. Um, so that was a scary moment. But the second scary moment, of, outside of the metal box, of course, was when my wife said that I might never come out unless I do what Jesus wants me to do in prison. So I'm telling you, I started to pray for everyone. Everywhere. And soon I had a Bible study in a mental, <laughs> in a mental ward <laughs> and I had Um, a church service and I lay hands on all of them uh, anyone that I could and they were coming to me uh, asking for prayer and then eventually eventually four in the morning uh, they uh, woke me up four in the morning to transfer me to a concrete cell five hours I had to wait finally they took me uh, to uh, to Calgary. On the way back, that was a funny story because on the way back, um, I'm being transported by three other a- inmates. We all are in metal boxes separated. And they, and they look at me and they say, um, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. And they said, aren't you that pastor that gets arrested all the time? And I say, yeah, well, I read about you in the papers. You are our hero. And they were so happy. They said, you are a celebrity. We're riding here in, with a celebrity. I mean, that's so cool. You know, so God has a sense of humor everywhere. And um, I was taken to Calgary, uh, to my old unit. And they snatched me, as you remember, uh, without even being able to say goodbye. And then last day I spent with my boys there. And I, I you know we hugged each other. I told them goodbye. And the next day, and the next day ended with a splash. They stripped naked me, uh, they searched, they looked for contraband, they flip everything in my cell. Uh, they paraded us um, into the admission. Uh, we spent some time on concrete. And then finally, finally, they released me uh, to, my, uh, to my wife and to my family. However, I was not allowed to hug my children. I was not allowed to hug my father that came to welcome me. If I, I was told, if I do that, if I stop, there were hundreds of people that came to welcome me. If I would stop and say a word to them, I will be immediately arrested. So I was not even allowed to, to thank them for, 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 for doing this for me. This was the longest ever in a history of prison, ongoing protest, 44 days. When I was in Calgary, every single day, they were protesting outside of the, of the Riemann Center. When I was transferred for six days to Edmonton, there was a protest by the people from Edmonton there. And then when I came back, the next day I was released. So I spent 50 days plus the one that I was released. And, um, and I'll kid yourself, I'm still a prisoner. The condition of my release is house arrest. So I am uh, a prisoner in my own house. I am I am locked. I cannot come out except Saturday morning for the church service. And I'm facing multiple trials, multiple court uh, cases and criminal charges. So I still need your prayer. So that's pretty much in a nutshell. Of course, the story is a lot bigger. I'm going to write a book about it because there's so many things that happened during that time. I mean, 50 days doesn't sound too much, but I'm telling you, when you are arrested and processed and you're spending time in prison, you learn how to survive day after day. But what they've done to me, they psychologically, they tried to break me physically and psychologically. So every day I didn't know What is going to happen to me? And I think that was the hardest part of this journey. Never knowing where I'm going to be stopped. Never knowing where I'm going to be attacked. Never knowing where they are taking me. Because they never would say, you are to go with us. And I would be escorted by multiple multiple um, guards. And it's like, my God, what have I done? I'm locked in a cell alone. Why they're dragging me somewhere? So they were only messing with my mind one day. They left the door open, and uh, and they talked to two guy, ga- two guys uh, to to beat me up, and they opened the doors by accident. And those two guys refused to kill me. They refused to beat me up. So, uh, I think that was the hardest. Never knowing what is going to happen, and and in a good, uh, uh, you know, in a good way, I had to completely rely on on God and His mercy over my life.
1: Your story. Is stunning. I I have lots of questions, but I'm not going to ask any of them because I want to go to prayer for you. But I I only just one thing. How can people financially support your uh, attorneys' fees? How can they how can they be a part of the funding of your court cases? Please tell us an address that we can go to an email address or website.
2: Well, there's two ways. Uh, If people want to support me uh, in uh, my family, I have been out, uh, not able to work for for two months, of course. They can go to www.streetchurch.ca. Streetchurch.ca, because we are on the streets. It's a street church. We feed thousands of people on a regular basis. And even though I was in prison, and even though I am in house arrest, the ministry continues. We have associate pastors and my wife, of course. What a hero. What a lioness uh, she is. And my son, Nathaniel, that was conducting those um, those vigils, uh, those protests. I mean, wow. I'm so proud to have a church uh, like I have and a family like I have. If they want to support legal fees, the Rebel News with Ezra Levan, he's covering the legal bills. So um, everything that you donate to Rebel is going to the lawyers and not just my lawyers, we have raised a lots of money, or uh, Rebel News raised a lots of money, not just for me. They're using my story, and rightfully so, because um, lots of people know about what happens to help thousands of other Canadians that are facing this tyranny. Uh, and I'm so privileged, I'm so humbled that little me, God is using to, to help so many uh, Canadians. So if you want to support my family and the church, Go to www.speechage.ca. If legal fund, go to Rebel News. And um, it was standing strong. As hard as it is, I've decided to keep plowing. Um, they wanted to muzzle me. They've told me not to talk. Uh, they've told me that if I talk, I might be rearrested. But you know what? I can't keep my mouth shut. I mean, this has to come out. The only weapon that I have is the weapon that God has given me, which is the truth.
1: The truth shall set the captives free. I'm going to repeat those websites so people know. www.streetchurch.ca. That stands for Canada. And then uh, www.rebelnews.com or CA? I think that's com. And it's safeartour.com.
2: That's where... Um, you know, you can donate, uh, it's, it's already set up. Uh, as you remember, uh, Ezra Levant, I was his first case in 2020, if it comes to the COVID craziness. I was the first Canadian to get the COVID ticket. Ezra took it and ran with it. And the story became very popular. And he decided that it's, there are many Arthur Paloskis out there. So he started this, um, this fund, um, democracy fund to, to fight
1: for Canadian rights and freedoms. Ezra was profoundly articulate when we had him on before. Uh, he, he's quite remarkable. So I think I have rebelnews.com and then Save Artur. By the way, Arter in this case has no H in it. It's A-R-T-U-R. So savearter.com And you can go there and help support uh, the attorneys, costs that are going into this. And then if you want to support directly this family, he's been out of employment for some time. You'll go directly to this family, uh, go to Street Church, C-A, C-A, streetchurch.ca, I believe that is, uh, C-A yeah. standing for Canada. So thank you, World Parent Network family, for jumping in like you uh, do remarkably and supporting him. Uh, Pastor, we we had your brother on, David, and he was eloquent. Your son, Nathaniel, you'd have been so proud of him. Well, you are proud of him, uh, what he shared in World Parent Network just, uh, I don't know, two weeks ago or, or so. We cover the truckers event a great deal. We formed relationships and we interviewed numbers of them. We interviewed uh, Pastor Hildebrandt, others who were embedded within in that movement. It's my understanding that possibly as many as five or six or maybe more pastors across Canada have been arrested at various times. Is that an accurate statement?
2: Yes, and about 70 churches were burned down or vandalized, including uh, for a few months. Our church was attacked, vandalized, and uh, put on fire as well just um, a couple of weeks ago. So um, this is a war. Don't kid yourself. This is a, a socialism, communism, war against Christianity and Christian, Judeo-Christian values. Uh, so the fight is crazy. A number of us were arrested. Another pastor in Calgary was arrested. Another one in Edmonton. A good friend of mine, uh, Tobias Thyssen, he has become the first Canadian clergyman in hiding. I think six or eight months he had to hide. Two little kids, two little boys, and he had to be an underground pastor uh, because the RCMP, the Gestapo of today, were hunting him down. His crime... Oh, no, he was not uh, stealing money. No, 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 no. He was not blowing buildings. Those types of people receive incentives from the government right now, like Omar Khadr that received $11 million. He murdered American soldiers, but Justin Trudeau awarded him $11 million. Those people, the terrorists, are greatly rewarded. Tobias Thiessen, oh, no, he just opened the church and he dared to preach the gospel while he was stalled that his church needs to be shut down. So there is a number of pastors uh, that have been arrested uh, multiple times. I mean, just the COVID era, with, uh, within six, seven months, I was arrested five times already. My associate pastor was arrested as well when I was, um, when I was in the United States. So uh, this is a pattern. Derek Rimer yesterday was arrested uh, just simply for feeding the homeless in public. Uh, So um, this is a pattern that we are seeing. That's why it's so important to stand up now. Because what I know about cancer and overreach, you know, dictatorship, tyranny, if you will, is like a cancer. Cancer spreads. Cancer never stops. Cancer needs to be cut out, cut off. If we don't cut this cancer now, it's going to eventually
1: kill our democracy completely. Are we able to do anything? Often there's fasting and prayer, and there's your attorney fees your, that's going on. There's a court cases. you have a lot of court cases. Is there anything in the arena of appropriate public relations? And, and by that, I mean, where we could write letters to the premier uh, uh, of your province and object to your treatment. Is that a possibility?
2: Yes, yes it is, and actually it works. Um, right now, America, American politicians are um, saying that Canada should be put on a watch list of a nations uh, that are persecuting um, you know, religious liberties, uh, Christians. Um, so that's powerful. That's uh, huge. Also, your American politicians are a power horse. Canadian politicians are terrified of your politicians because, you know, you're a giant. And Canada, if America was not protecting Canada, Canada would be eaten alive. Uh, by China or Russia. I mean, we don't stand a chance with that American backing. So your American politicians are powerful. If some, you know, some politicians from your end would send a letter or go on public in, um, you know, in some of the networks and say, hey, we will not do business with Alberta if you don't drop the charges. If Texas, for example, would say, hey, we're not going to buy beef from Alberta, Jason, can you you terrorist, you tyrant, until you drop the charges against the truckers and the clergymen, if you will not drop the charges, which he has that power. Don't kid yourself. The premier is like your governor. He can pardon me. Uh, today, he can say, OK, Art Palovsky is free of all those crazy charges and I'm a free man and I can go out. He has that power. If, for example, Texas would say, I'm not going to buy, we're not going to buy beef from Alberta unless uh, you clear all of this nonsense, I'm telling you they would obey because they don't have a choice. We're talking about billions of dollars. It would collapse Alberta's economy, and they fear that. They fear that more than anything else. So you got that power. Put the pressure on your politicians, and your politicians have that power to
1: put pressure on our devils here. Uh, it's, on, it's popped up on our one of our um, chats here. Uh, Josh Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri has said that Canada should be on the watch list. Also, activists are trying to get some U.S. representatives in the rural cattle country of Texas to stop working with Alberta. Uh, We have a connection with a few members of Congress. I'll certainly do what I can do. But if people in general, the average person listening to this who's not maybe a member of Congress, if they wrote to the premier, would that would that be a value? And if so, can you give us very slowly the address that we would need to write to Do you have that or can we can you supply that to me? I'll supply it to people afterwards. Yeah, I don't have the address,
2: but I know that politicians are extremely annoyed by the amount of complaints. So when a massive number of people are calling them or calling their secretaries or calling their officers, they get crazy annoyed. For example, what was happening when I was in prison, Um, Every time Jason Kenney would show up uh, during the public meetings, the people would ask him questions. Why are you persecuting Pastor Artopoloski? Why is he in prison? Why, 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 why? Uh, Because you got to remember, Jason Kenney uh, broke the same uh, rules and mandates that I did. But of course, he's the premier, so he could get away with the murder, if you will. But I got arrested and I am being, you know, uh, persecuted and prosecuted uh, to the fullest of the of the fake law that they have right now. Um, and what I was told from within the circle that he has become extremely annoyed with this story. In other words, it's working. And if enough people would keep bugging him, he keeps sending letters and phone calls, I think he finally will be so sick and tired of Artopolski that he would let me of the hook so I can actually do what I have been called to do and spending time in court. Uh, that's not what I was called to do. I would do it, of course, just like Jesus said, do not worry about what you're going to say when they drag you before those different places. But I prefer to spend that time feeding the poor, preaching the gospel and visiting United States of America and spending that time with my, uh, with my greatest um, family members uh, across the border. I mean, I I have such amazing respect and, and a great time I had in the United States. I was treated like, like a friend, like a brother. And like I quite often say, I am an American, even though, um, even if Americans don't wanna adopt me, I adopted myself and, and publicly I'm stating, I am an American, period. Take it or leave it, you
1: have me. <laughs> we, we claim you, we claim you. Quick question, <laughs> when you said he is annoyed, was he referring to the premier of Cal- yes. Alberta? Okay. And what is yes. his name? Jason Kenney is the premier of Alberta.
2: Spell the last name. Uh, Kenny K. Uh, I'll
1: send it to you. I'll text okay. it to you. Anybody can Google it. The premier of uh, of, of Calgary and uh, of Alberta, Alberta, rather. And that's Jason Kenney. And uh, you can look up online, folks, and write letters to him. Uh, so let's do it. Let's do it. This is it. And what about your personal contact that people want? Have you uh, and I don't you you not give it your personal information you to want to, but it, how who can they contact if they want you to? I know you can't travel right now, but if they want to get you on Zoom calls like this, how can they contact you? Yeah, go um send me an email, A-R-T-A-R-T at
2: streetchurch.ca. A R T okay. at streetchurch.ca. And that's what I'm doing. You see, just like you said, I am not allowed to leave my house, I'm a prisoner. So every day I'm doing uh, calls, I'm answering phone, I'm encouraging people, I'm praying for people, I have visitors and I'm doing every show uh, that I can because I believe that this message is very important. If I can inspire someone to stand up for his rights, if I can encourage someone that it's possible to stand up against Ahab's and Jezebel's and, and Nebuchadnezzar's and all those wicked evil people, uh, then, um, then I guess my suffering was not in vain.
1: His last name, folks, is spelled K-E-N-N-E-Y. We just looked up Jason. The word Jason means the healed one. He needs to get in alignment with the name he was given and stop doing the damage he's doing. So uh, I encourage you to write to Jason Kinney, premier of, uh, of, of, Cal- of uh, Alberta, and uh, on behalf of Arthur Palowski. Go ahead and spell your last name slowly for people so they can write this down. Uh, spell it slowly twice for me, would you? Pavlovsky, P A W L O W
2: S K I. Pavlovsky, P A
1: W L O W S K I. Uh, I want you to I want you to take a, a, a pen right now, write down two phone numbers. Everyone grab a paper right now. I'll write down two phone numbers. Thank you to Suzanne for giving this to me. Premier Jason Kenney. Jason Kinney, Premier. Uh, his last name is K-E-N-N-E-Y. Two phone numbers, 780-427-2251, repeating 780-427-2251. A second number, 780-427, and the last four digits, 2711, repeating two seven one one call those numbers your intentions are always good but we sometimes forget so when we get off the broadcast even though it's night they'll leave a recording up there and simply say Hi, my name's so i'm calling from the u.s i want to contact my congressman and ask that they put canada on a watch list and that you immediately drop charges against as uh, a pastor i started to say paul the apostle thank you Against. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Pastor Pulowski. it's important we take action. You have his name, Arthur Pulowski, And so contact them, ASAP, when we get off this call. And uh, by all means, make the call. Now, we'll try to get you an email address. Well, we, we take these uh, broadcasts, and there's a whole lot of people who listen to them. We have, we have, we're on three different platforms now, but there's about five to six times the number of people who listen in the first 24 hours. And then it gets sent out to uh, tens of thousands of people, and we have a pretty good open rate on that. So we'll be passing it out to as many people as we possibly can. I want to contact members of Congress that I know on, on this. This is such a, a, an agree, just a staggering injustice. I also, two of you have come on one of the platforms and said, "Hey, let's go in front of the Canadian Embassy." Those of you that live in the D.C. area, uh, contact us at info at wellversedworld.org and we'll connect you. Uh, with the two ladies who are now in communication on one of the platforms that say let's get in front of the Canadian embassy in Washington DC and protest and that's very appropriate to do that so contact us at info at wellversedworld.org uh, pastor are you aware if any persons have protested in front of the Canadian embassy in uh, in, in DC on this issue
2: I've heard that there were a number of embassies so when I was still in prison um, that had those protests. I know that New York City had one. I'm not sure if uh, D.C. had one or not, but I know that there were a number of uh, embassies uh, that um, the people took this message to. What I know about politics, and I have um, you know, now not so many in Canada, but I used to have lots of um, friends in political arena what I know about politicians is that they love to do their dirty deeds um, unnoticed they don't like to be back they don't like to be annoyed they want to do their thing kind of under the radar so annoying them or bringing the situation into open it works hundred percent you know so when you go to embassy when you um, you know make a presentation when you send a message to the politician, when you kind of, uh, you know, w- when you um, bag them a little bit, it works. It works because they don't like that. They want to be left alone to do whatever they're doing. And uh, it's power. We have the power. And I have been saying this so many times. They think they have the power. But the truth is, we have the power. There's more of us than of them. We just have to come united, on united front. And I always say to the people, forget, at least for now, all the 10,000 things Um, that, uh, you know, bring division. Let's not remember at this moment all those things that divide us. Let's just focus on the things that unite us. And if you are a child of God, then the blood of Jesus unites us, bonds us together. When you are a patriot, the love for your country unites us. I love my country. I love Canada. This nation has given me a second chance. Now those tyrants are stealing that away from me and my children. So if you are a patriot in America, that unites us, the love for our nation, uh, you know, unites us, the love for our family unites us, the love for Christ unites us. So we got to focus on that. And I'm telling you, there is more of us than of them. We
1: just have to put that in our mind and then keep plowing. Uh, I want you to all write this down, if you would. I'm going to give you the email address for Premier Jason Kenny. Remember, Kenny is K-E-N-N-E-Y. So it's premier, and that's P-R-E-M-I-E-R, repeating P-R-E-M-I-E-R, at gov, G-L-V, dot A-B, that'd be for Alberta, dot C-A for Canada. So once again, premier, P-R-E-M-I-E-R, at gov, dot A-B, dot C-A, now obviously you got a few people handling these for him, but uh, we need to flood it. Is there a better email address to use, Pastor, that you know of? No, I think that's pretty good. And you got to
2: remember, if we even annoy his secretary or the handlers, uh, they're going to pass the message to, to the premier. You know, he needs to be attacked from every angle, every form or forum, every, every place um, that he shows up, um, and that's the only thing those people fear is a public backlash.
1: Yeah, we're presenters of truth and justice. If they want to be annoyed, that's their problem, but we're, we're not annoyers. We're, we're bringers of truth and justice on behalf of our brother here who's been profoundly harmed, and then I encourage you to contact your congressman and get to the chief of staff uh, or legislative aide and make the case for the pastor to your congressman or congresswoman, whoever that might be. Once again, if you want to support the family, and I urge you to do that, the address is street, just like a street or avenue, streetchurch.ca, and if you want to support the legal cause, there's two options here, saveartor.com. Arthur has no H, it's A-R-T-U-R, uh, yeah, T T U R. Arthur, saveartur.com, or rebelnews.com, and you probably can go there and there's a place to donate. Uh, for his for his legal legal cause and uh, pastor any final thought you want to share with the audience right now well as as dramatic as the story
2: might be and and the difficulties that we are facing i want everyone to know that we know how the story ends we know that we win in the end and you know i want you to focus on the price and the price is that we're going to spend eternity with jesus christ so don't lose your focus. We are plowing. We're putting the seeds wherever we go, either in prison or on the streets or wherever God sends us. But I want, I want you not to be discouraged. And no matter what the enemy throws at us, Jesus shows up in a fire. If you, wanna, if you want Jesus to deal with your enemies, you got to be like Shadrach, and Abednego. You got to be willing to go to the fire. In the fire, he deals with your enemies. In the fire, Jesus shows up. In the fire, he sets you free. In the fire, you have a testimony and in the fire or coming out of the fire, you will get your promotion. So keep your eyes on the prize. Do not give up. And we know we win in the end because Jesus wins every time.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that Wellversed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership.
1: Thank you for listening to the Wellversed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.